Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. To the program, I'm Lee Lonsberry. Live Mike, we'll call him this show. Episode 26, that's pretty good. We're making some good progress. Hey, you heard during that newscast there that we'll be seeing down in Lehigh a new primary children's hospital, a second location. We, later on the program today, will be speaking to CEO of Primary Children's Hospital, Katie Welke. She will join us on the program. I'm going to do two things while I have her on the line. First off, I'm going to thank her. Uh, I told you a few weeks ago, my brand new little baby, uh, she got a fever. And the pediatrician told us, once you cross a certain mark, uh, 100.4 degrees, then it is time to get yourself up to uh, the hospital. And so we uh, took the temperature one night after she was feeling a little bit warm. She, in fact, had a fever up above that mark. And so we raced up to Primary Children's, spent the next three days there. Uh, But we were incredibly comfortable. My baby was well taken care of. She was comfortable. And when all was said and done, we had a an explanation and a ticket home. And so I'm very grateful to the folks up there. I'm going to have a, an opportunity to, to, to thank the CEO as she joins us here on the program today. Also, we're going to talk about what uh, has prompted this move. It's a wonderful thing for the folks down south. Uh, uh, I am I'm anxious for them to be able to take advantage of the, the great facilities that Permanent Children's has offered. Anyway, that's coming up later on in the program. Right now, we're still eating our vegetables. Uh, that's something I uh, said the other day. We were talking uh, behind the scenes here as we were preparing some of the more uh, arduous topics. Uh, today, it is impeachment. So we got to eat our vegetables, and then later on in the program, we'll get some dessert, some lighter stuff. In fact, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, there was that gun rally out in Virginia on Monday, just yesterday. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I have some thoughts I'd like to share. Also, uh, yesterday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and because of the uh, horrible tragedy in Grantsville, we uh, missed out on a few opportunities to talk about Martin Luther King Day. One of the stories I wanted to share with you was the naming of an aircraft carrier after an African-American sailor. Uh, He, during World War II, uh, demonstrated some heroism, ended up with the Navy Cross, the third highest honor that our military gives to uh, members of the Navy. And we're going to tell his story, Doris Miller. Dory, uh, we're going to hear the story. Uh, later on in the program. Also, a big handful of jobs coming to northern Utah, uh, Northrop Grumman. Some nuclear work going on up there. I'll share you, uh, with you the details there. Now, listen, in the last segment, I told you that we were going to, in our effort to cover this impeachment stuff, answer four questions. We've gotten through two of them, and now I'm going to share with you what my frustrations exactly are. We talked about what is happening now. right now. In fact, the clerk of the Senate is reading to uh, the senators the Amendment offered by 
Chuck Schumer. The last two hours have been spent hearing uh, arguments by both the managers of the House and also the defense team for the president uh, in as they debated the the proposed rules put forth by Mitch McConnell. That has ended now. Uh, we are hearing the uh, the proposed amendment or the changes, what uh, uh, Chuck Schumer would like to see happen. And then in a few hours, uh, a big vote will be cast and we'll see who comes out on top. Uh, a betting man is probably going to say that uh, it's going to be Mitch McConnell's uh, rules that come forward. He likely wouldn't as president of the Senate, uh, probably wouldn't, or president, uh, anyway. Majority Leader uh, McConnell, he probably wouldn't put forth uh, something uh, not being certain that it could uh, come forward uh, victoriously. Anyway, so frustrations. We talked about some of the in- interesting things. Now we are on to what is frustrating me. From early this morning, we have heard Adam Schiff on the television. We've heard him now from the floor of the Senate, and he is uh, beating the same drum. One of them has to do with the time of day in which many of these proceedings could potentially take place. The rules proposed uh, propose about 12 hours of debate to begin uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern each day. If you do the math there, that means that some of these proceedings could extend into uh, the early hours of the following day, uh, 12 hours after 1 being, of course, 1. And so he says, at least Adam Schiff does, that that is a disservice to uh, the American people. Let me share with you uh, both his comments on this topic, also those of Senator Chuck Schumer. And I'm going to tell you why uh, they are an insult to you and me coming up. Here's uh, Adam Schiff. They are compressing the time of the trial, whereas the Clinton trial managers had six hours a day to present over a course of days. They're now presenting that we double the amount of time each day so that the proceedings can conceivably go well into the night when apparently Senator McConnell hopes the American people will not be watching. Now, here's Senator Chuck Schumer on the same topic. The McConnell rules seem to be designed by President Trump for President Trump. It asks the Senate to rush through as fast as possible and makes getting evidence as hard as possible. He could force presentations to take place at two or three in the morning so the American people won't see them. In short, the the McConnell resolution will result in a rushed trial with little evidence in the dark of night. Who do they think that they're talking to? Who's their audience there when they say that these things will happen in the dark of night when Americans aren't looking? Do they think that there it's is there no Internet Is there no ability to record these? Is there no ability for us to go back, say, in the morning? Or how about this? Is there no interest in the American people in such an important event like this, an impeachment trial, to maybe stay up a little later than uh, would be the norm? It's, it is the, the hollowest of arguments that these things are happening too late at night for the American people to be exposed to the details. It's, it, it, I don't quite understand it. The only explanation, the only conceivable explanation is that they are feeling as if they're up against it. They know certainly that the numbers are against them. When I say, when I say they, I'm, I'm talking right now about the, the Democrat side of things. Uh, that's Senator Chuck Schumer and Adam Schiff. Uh, Adam Schiff, a member of the House who is leading the, the, the efforts of the, the House managers along with uh, six other House members prosecuting this case against the president. They're, they must be feeling that there is an uphill battle and some difficulty ahead. And I understand that. 
it just frustrates me the the course of action they've taken in response to it. Of course, these things uh, will be long and drawn out, and of course, there is a likelihood that they will be uh, that they will take place in the the, the dark of night. Now, the dark of night, uh, a late, inconvenient hour, uh, is is certainly not offensive, and it's not something uh, to which we are unaccustomed. Let's think about our own practices here in the state of Utah. You know that uh, each year at the end of the legislative session, there are a number of bills and a number of uh, things that have uh, that still need to be cleared, that they need to clear the House and the Senate and make their way over to the governor's desk. Well, that last night of the legislative session always extends late, late into uh, the night. And have you ever heard someone say, oh, how dare they? How dare they plan on these proceedings taking so late uh, or taking so long that they would extend into the night? How are Utahns supposed to know what's happening if this thing is happening uh, after 11 o'clock at night? Okay, there's one example. Now, uh, another one that I saw frequently out in Washington, D.C. as I served as a congressional staffer. Recently, we heard that the House and Senate both passed the National Defense Authorization Act. That uh, is the essentially the spending bill for the Department of Defense. Well, there's something called a markup. And that's when at the committee level in Congress, these big bills are debated and amendments are offered. Well, that markup for the Defense Authorization Act or, again, the, the budget bill for the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, that often takes hours and hours and hours and extends late into the night. And no one has a problem with that. Uh, I haven't heard Representative Schiff speak up about how that's done in some effort to obscure the truth and obscure the details and hide from America uh, what is going on. It's because it's not true. And it's because uh, regardless of what time of day this happens, it will be broadcast, it will be publicized, and Americans, you and me, will have uh, fair and open access to what's going on. I am pleased to know that there is the possibility of these proceedings extending late into the night. It means that all involved are uh, going to be opposed to a thorough and, I believe, uh, a fair presentation of the views held by both sides, by all sides. Uh, Anyway. That's what I have to say about that. Next up, we're going to talk about how you can best communicate with your representation in Congress. That's next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.